Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting with me today, I've got three of our uh, normal four guests, uh, Tim and Scott and Spencer. We are here to begin a new series. We've wrapped up the uh, Baptist Faith and Message series, and now we want to begin a new series, and we're going to use this um, uh, uh, that recently there was a, um, a research study that was done, and this is kind of the background of why we're doing this. There was a research study done between a, a ministry called Ligonier Ministries, uh, associated with a guy like uh, na- by the name of R.C. Sproul, and then also they partnered with Lifeway uh, Research, which I believe is officially Southern Baptist, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they partnered together to do a... Um, a survey. They do this every, I think every couple of years or so. Um, they partner together to uh, kind of take, they call it, take the theological temperature of the United States to see what are some of the general uh, beliefs, convictions uh, that people in the United States have about various uh, theological topics, whether that be, what do you think about the Bible? What do you think about who God is? Who is Jesus? What is sin? Stuff like that. And so we're going to go through a few of these, uh, uh, some of their findings, I guess, and kind of some of the questions that um, were being uh, addressed and also, but really some of the things that were, um, that stood out or were concerning um, that they uh, that they found in their uh, research. And so I think this will be helpful because it'll help us to talk through some um, some important things that the Bible teaches about who God is and who God isn't, um, but also, uh, so an answer, talk about those questions, but also uh, we might have people that listen that are, that have questions about some of these topics too, because um, according to the research, these are things that, that um, people uh, maybe misunderstand or disagree with or, or whatever. Um, so if you're interested, by the way, in learning more about this, you can find all the, re- all the stuff we're going to tell you from the, the stats online. There's a website called thestateoftheology.com. You can type that in, thestateoftheology.com, um, or you can type in State of Theology Lifeway or State of Theology Ligonier Ministries into Google, and I'm sure it will bring it up uh, as well. So the first thing we want to um, uh, deal with today is this question. Now, this wasn't the question they asked them, but this is the issue is, does God change? Does God change? Uh, Does he uh, modify himself or his decisions or his will? Um, so the reason we're, we're dealing with this is because um, this statement people that were surveyed were asked to agree or disagree. And I think they could agree somewhat, agree strongly. There was a, there was a spectrum or you could say, not sure you could say that, or, you know, so there was a spectrum. It wasn't simply either, or it was also a a spectrum, but overall they asked them to agree or disagree with this statement. God learns and adapts to different circumstances. God learns and adapts to different circumstances, agree or disagree. Well, the answers they found were 
interesting and uh, maybe maybe somewhat troubling, uh, really, too, though, is U.S. adults. So this is everybody, Christians, non-Christians, I'm assuming, alike. 51% agree that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, and only 32% disagree with that statement. But then, and here's the real thing that kind of hits us closer to home, amongst those who identified as U.S. evangelicals, um, they said 48% of them agreed that God learns and adapts to differing circumstances, while only 43% disagreed. So obviously there was a certain number that would say, I'm not sure. But still, of those who gave an answer of sorts to either of those of that for amongst U.S. evangelicals, more than more agreed than disagreed with that statement. Scott? I was just going to say, before we recorded this, we asked the question, how is this study defining what an evangelical is? Yeah. Like now, that's, now, first of all, the first big question we have to deal with is, how, how do you, you say it? it? You said evangelical. evangelical. I said evangelical. evangelical. Go, go ahead. Go. Oh, oh my! <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Finally, we have some life on this podcast. Yes. I'll have to edit that oh, out. No, 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 no editing. It's not what Let I was saying. Go ahead. Scott. Oh. Okay, we got to have wow. counseling session. I was saying go ahead. But sorry. <laughs> All because he said a word different. They notice that it was just a difference wow. in how you pronounce the word. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little scared to talk now. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I don't know what to say now. Your, wife, your wife's going to be so mad. Whoa. I don't know if we should stop recording because people are going to misinterpret that. What do you mean? How are they going to misinterpret it? No. You said what you said. Okay. <laughs> you said what you... Yeah, I'll tell you We what. know what you meant. I know what you meant. I was saying go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Oh my go ahead. Sure. Wow. I'm lightheaded now. <laughs> well, I thought Whoa. we wanted to know... <laughs> He <laughs> was defining evangelicals, and uh, because oh that really is an important thing, because uh, th- that is a notoriously difficult word to use in a productive way uh, right. in today's times. But the study does define uh, how they're thinking of it, and so if you go to the website, for those of you that that do go to the website, towards the very bottom. It says uh, evangelicals were defined by LifeWay Research as people who strongly agreed with the following four statements. Number one, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Number two, it is very important for me to person for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. And number four, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. But then below that it says respondents can also be identified as evangelical in the State of Theology Data Explorer based on their supply church affiliation. So I guess that would just mean that if they're part of a denomination or a church that believes those four things, then they're also considered oh, to be okay. that. That's what I would understand. Hmm. So that's how they defined it. No, that's helpful. And I think that's an important thing to say is that's that's who is is getting identified. I also think this is a side note about how the word uh, evangelical or evangelical or evangelical is <laughs> is used is in some ways too it's used differently depending on if you're if you're talking politics. There's a certain person who if you're wanting to know what does a voting block do, that's going I think somewhat to skew your understanding of what is an evangelical as distinct from if you're talking to somebody who's, you know, maybe writing a book of church history, they're going to have, I think that's, that's just something that, 
is very murky with that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I personally don't know how helpful it actually is to help us map reality yeah. um, as to what really is going on on the ground. But I anyway, that's, that. ni- that's neither here nor there. Um, so uh, we've talked about, so does God, does God change? And so most of the people, um, even U.S. evangelicals said that God learns and adapts to differing different circumstances. Uh, On the uh, state of theology, they say this, these results show that American evangelicals and the general U.S. population are essentially equivalent in their agreement with this statement. Nearly half of both groups believe that God changes by learning and adapting. This may indicate the influence of open theism, which denies God's complete knowledge of future events, and process theology, which denies God's omnipotence and asserts that he does undergo changes within the evangelical church. This finding may also indicate a lack of clear biblical teaching on the character of God in evangelical churches. So the first question I want to ask is this. So we're going to talk with the question, does God change? Uh, But the first thing, the thing before we even get there is, does this really matter? Does it matter? um, Because isn't, uh, does this really hint, uh, impact your your love for Jesus or your love for God, um, depending on how we answer this question? Yeah, the way I would talk about it is we live in a world that's constantly changing and we're having to change, and even with people. And so we go to work with people who are changing. And in order to have a good relationship with them, we oftentimes have to change, right? Whatever right. it might be. It could be minor changes. It could be big changes. And so we live in this world of constant fluctuation, it feels like. And so sometimes we want to put that on on God mm-hmm. and to where change is even a bad word or, you know, are unchangeable, immutability, not right. being willing to change right. is a bad, is a bad thing. If, if you said that about yourself, you're not flexible, yeah, you're not flexible. You're not willing to tolerate anything. And, and in a sense, that's okay. It's like, I will never change. Should we be like that? Probably not because we're not perfect. Right. So we can't do that. Uh, but it, it's something out of our realm. It's something that we, it's hard for us to even conceive of, of something that doesn't, that doesn't change. Right. But when you think of God and who he is, God is, is truth is what the Bible tells us. And so if God is changing, then truth is changing. Mm -hmm. And so then it would be fair to say what God said saved me yesterday might've changed today. Right. And so yesterday he said, put your trust in Jesus alone. But maybe he's adapted and learned something different now. And so today mm-hmm. the message is, Tim, you've got to go earn it. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Right. Because the Bible speaks of us having a rest in Christ. Right. And I have no rest if God changes mm-hmm. because I just don't know. Right. So in this case, God could make um, honest mistakes. I don't want to say that maybe, but I guess I'm thinking about like how we make plans to say Mm -hmm. tomorrow I'm going to go to such and such somebody's house, but then something comes up, a new circumstance comes about and I have to change my plans Mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I can't go there today. I'm going to have to go there tomorrow. And so you, but you're actually, you're having to, to, even though it's not your fault, you're having to break a commitment to go do something in order to adjust to new circumstances. Yeah. And that's kind of the way that, 
this pictures God is doing. He's kind of like the ultimate chess player, though. But yeah. he's adjusting. I think, and I think an example, though, that someone might say who thinks God changes is, I'm trying to get to a destination. It's not that I'm going to have to get there tomorrow. It's I'm going to have to take a different route to get there. Right, right. So there's construction. So I'm going to detour, but I'm still, the same result is going to happen. So yeah. then it's okay if God changes. Well, no, because if God is omnipotent, omnipresent, right, and omniscient, then to say that he ran into trouble in traffic would be to tell me, number one, he's not omniscient. Right. He didn't know this. Right. And number two, he's not omnipotent. Why couldn't he just fix it real quick right, and right, get through it? Right. Right. So now you're denying some of the attributes of God right. that are vital to him being God mm-hmm. and who he says he right. is. And so you have to be careful with that. It's like, well, this the result is the same in the end, so it's all right. No, we can't we can't word it that way. Right. Right. Because then we just don't have any reliability on God mm-hmm. and who he is. And in in order for him to be the God that the Bible speaks of. He has to always be all powerful, mm-hmm. everywhere, all the time, all knowing. Right. right? In, in his other attributes, which one is what we're talking about today, his immutability. Yeah. And that doesn't change. He will always be all powerful. He right. will always be all knowing. He will always be all, always present. Mm-hmm. And that's important because, again, when you start washing that away, then you're washing away the truth. Well, and I think it's helpful to think about the fact that for many people, um, I know I sing this song growing up, right? Great is thy faithfulness. We sing this, right? Where we see there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not as thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. And what we're comforting ourselves with is a biblical truth that I know God is a rock and he's not going to change. So therefore he's faithful and I can depend on him yeah. because he doesn't, adjust he doesn't learn he he is who he says he is um and even there's actually a verse from the from the hymn how firm a foundation uh, which is a song we sing here at church too but there's a verse that is that we don't we I've, i actually have never sang it either I, I just saw this online though and the the verse is even down to old age all my people shall prove my sovereign eternal unchangeable love and so for god's people God's unchangeable love is actually a great refuge that we run to, not something that we're, we're um, you know, we, we want to make God able to, to learn and adapt, but we, we love the unchangeableness of, of God. So when we're talking about immu- immutability, mm-hmm. we're saying not simply that God doesn't change, but that he can't change. There are some things that God can't do. And one of the things is he cannot, he doesn't even have the ability to change um, at all. Um, he, he has no, no ability to, to do this. Um, I brought a, a book here. One of the things that um, is helpful is that um, whenever you think about God's uh, immutability, one of the things that um, I think is helpful is we change, but one of the reasons we change is because we move, um, they call it... Um, we move from a state of, of potential to actualization. So in other words, we move from being a baby that and that child has all the potential to be a full-grown adult, doesn't it? And it moves from a potential full-fledged mature human being from being a baby and moves and advances in maturity towards becoming a full-fledged adult. 
and we 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 grow and we change because we are we have potential but god has no potential he is fully who he is so it's not like god could be more loving mm-hmm. if his love was to change it would only be for less loving Mm-hmm. Not for more, because he's already infinitely loving, or truth, or any of these other things. He he has no potential for more, mm-hmm. because he is, uh, some the theologians in the past said he is pure act. He is full on who he is already. So if you're going to say that God learns or adapts, you're saying that God moves from being God to being more God than he was before. Um and such. So, one of the ways I found this helpful is God is immutable, unchangeable in two different ways. He's first of all unchangeable in his nature, in who he is, um, in his in his uh, character. Um, we read in James one seventeen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So, who God is is not going to change in his character, in his being, in what makes him who he is. Another verse is Psalm 102, verses 26 to 28. It says this, They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. So it says again, you are the same and your years have no end. And I think it's interesting how God's unchangeableness in his character and his being um, actually is comforting to believers. He says, because of this, your offspring will be established. Your children will dwell secure because he doesn't change. Um, And so his... His being doesn't change. Therefore, we're safe. We're we're comforted. What do you What do you think about? Yeah, that? I mean, you think about uh, a time when this would have been written. Life expectancy probably wasn't too high, and so change was probably pretty common. Of yeah, you know, parents passing away and siblings passing away and all these different things. But to hear that there is a God who's chosen Israel, right? Who's accepted Israel, right? And who's telling them, listen. I don't change. I will always be here. You will always be mine. Had to be such a a comfort in an ever-changing world Mm -hmm. that was so drastic as theirs. You know, a a family that has a mom, a dad, and three kids, and dad dies, that meant something horrible Mm -hmm. for mom and kids then. It's different than today. It's still hard today if that happens. But it was different, right? She wasn't going to be able to work, provide. Mm -hmm. They were going to end up being homeless And who knows what what happens then. Um, And so you just have a God who's promising them, I don't change. I don't move. Mm -hmm. And you are mine. Mm -hmm. Right? And you can rest in this. And your children and their children and their children and their children down the line can find rest and hope in this. Which would have been such an uh, encouraging. And this is also, right, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. He can't change. Mm -hmm. It's impossible uh, for him to change. Um in his being, but also in his will and what his decisions are. And this is where it gets to some people will read passages of Scripture where it says, well, God repented, right? Um, is that in First uh, Samuel? Well, we see a few in chapter 15 where he says or something. He in Exodus 32, 14, and the Lord relented from the disaster right. that he had spoken right. bringing on the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Jeremiah, 
26:19 Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him to death did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord and did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced right. against them or you could think of Jonah right there was Nineveh's going to be destroyed that's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, the people turn. Let's fall on our face before God. The people of Nineveh. Maybe He will relent, mm-hmm. and He relents. Right, right. And there, so that's what you're talking about. Where there's times it looks like, did He change? Right. Did something happen here? Or like First uh, Samuel 15, verse 11. I regret. The Lord says, "I regret that I have made Saul king, yeah. for he has yeah. turned back mm-hmm. from following me." But then later on, the Lord says this. I think it's a Samuel. Um, Oh, where's that verse at? If I can find it, um, because it says the Lord is. Uh, uh, this is sad that I can't find the verse, but yeah, the Lord is not like a man that he should have regret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on the one hand, um, the Lord regrets, but then on the other hand, he doesn't uh, regret. And I think this is a highlight to us. This is, uh, yeah, verse 29, sorry, yeah, the same chapter. <clears throat> and also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. So the Lord has, so what the Lord is saying is, I'm communicating to you that in some sense, from your perspective, it looks yeah. like I've changed. Mm-hmm. Although from my perspective, my decision has never changed. Yeah, I think this is too where we see how God works. Some is how God can even work in the midst of us and his creation for his plan to be achieved. And so when you see like Moses praying for God to relent, right. the way it's worded to us is God relented, but it's like, no, God God had right. planned all along and Moses' prayer would happen and this wasn't going to take place, right? It's the difference between looking at this situation from a human's perspective yeah. and from exactly. like God's bird's eye perspective yes. in the eyes of the, the those who were in Nineveh. Right. Yeah, God changed his mind. He, right. He did. Right. He he didn't do what he said he was going right. to do. But in in the sense of God never changed. Like right. God all that's that's God's promise, right? right. If, if you relent, if you if or not if you yeah. relent, but if yeah. you repent, I will stay consistent with what I've told you. Yes. I will do. So in that sense, God doesn't change. No. I think what this brings out is like I mean, a, a Christian who's trying to be faithful, reading their Bible, coming across mm-hmm. those passages. And we kind of said this before we recorded that, like, I wonder if they saw that question and that's maybe what they thought in their mind. Because so we're thinking we're this is a podcast about statement four. Mm-hmm. And I was just doing some fiddling with the, the research. Statement one in the research is God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. And it says that 95 percent of evangelicals strongly agree mm-hmm. with that statement that's a pretty that's a positive thing but it seems almost as if there's like an inconsistency in playing out how that actually works out sure in other areas of theology is like well if god is a perfect being he probably doesn't need to learn <laughs> or change based on the circumstances right. you know maybe you haven't put two and two together yeah. with that right right um because it's hard yeah. yeah it's hard for us to put god outside of time yeah and so when mm-hmm. we put god in time it's so like well over time maybe this all-knowing god can learn you know mm-hmm. or changes and depth. no yeah right yeah it's just a deeper it seems as if the people they talk to in this haven't really thought through what they say they believe mm-hmm. to its fullest extent and i think it's fair to say the doctrine of god which is what this is mm-hmm. like when we by that we mean the doctrine of the the attributes yeah and the doctrine of the Trinity has been something that probably, especially in the past hundred years, 
has not really been taught mm-hmm. in evangelical church as well. Most of the time, the battleground has been on scripture. Is the Bible inerrant? And do you what do you? It's interesting. What makes somebody an evangelical, according to those things, are all about scripture and centered around the uh, about around Jesus. And I did find it interesting on those questions about what makes someone an evangelical. There was no there was no question about whether or not you believe the Trinity. That's statement number two. Right. In the research and ninety six percent of evangelicals agree or strongly agree with the statement, there is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm. Well, it would be interesting. I don't know. I I, I personally am very suspicious about uh, about that because I just find that this area of, of doctrine is something that has, it's not like people in the pews, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that this has been something that's not been, this yeah. because they because we've been focusing on is the Bible inerrant and is and is Jesus the only way of salvation? Uh, we have those are those are things that I believe too. I'm just saying we've maybe neglected. Yeah, um, I think these that, things. I think maybe what's being pointed out and why this question's highlighted in the research is because for those previous two questions, there's a a very observable difference between what right. U.S. adults say. And what U.S. evangelicals mm, say. Mm-hmm. What they're pointing out about this question is that they're essentially the same. Right. 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 So evangelicals clearly don't think differently about this question to a high degree mm-hmm. based on what they've said to other statements, which is what we're right. talking about. That's revealing there's not really a, th- a thinking through of yeah. these theological statements that we believe. And we're quick to um, to affirm. Mm-hmm. But they don't seem to be filtering down into what we think in other areas. Correct. Uh, yeah, ahead, <laughs> that would be ahead. my question with the the Trinity question you asked. Uh, I find it hard to believe ninety six percent would agree with that in their theology, or even in their church's theology, with what you said. I don't know. Do you still have it up there? Yeah, I can pull it up. Yeah, I that question again, number two. Mm-hmm. Scott would be awesome to to have with you on election night, just because he would be like no, all the polls and everything. Like false, he would be going false. through all the data. Scott he would cares be not awesome. for these things. <laughs> that would be awesome to be with Scott. What's the question? The question is, uh, oh, it's a, it's not a question. It's a statement yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can either strongly disagree with, right. somewhat mm-hmm. disagree with, and so on and so forth. Okay. It says there is one true God in three persons: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I have the filter on of evangelicals like those who are yeah. whose belief is evangelical according I, to those four I just statements. wonder if a oneness Pentecostal person would say yes to that yeah I don't I, see, they would the, define they would say well, yeah I believe in that but I don't believe in Trinity right I believe that one God manifests himself as father son and spirit at different times and yeah. which we would say you're not a Christian right it's not right. Orthodox you're definitely not evangelical right but I think it would take deep thought and reflection on what you believe and what you know. Right. You know what I mean? To and that's, get through that. And that's where, again, the term evangelical, I think it would be better if people were to say, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a whatever. So that way, I think that would be more precise, but that's another, but. Well, it's interesting. Like if you go on, I know we're getting into no, the you're weeds good. here, but you're if good. you actually go on to the, uh, whatever you call this, it's like the deeper version where you can filter things and stuff like that. It's interesting how they have evangelical as a label in the filters in terms of belief, but they also have evangelical in terms of affiliation. Mm. And so it's almost like they're considering evangelical as a denomination. Whereas, because they also in that same 
of uh, affiliation, they have black Protestant. And mainline, right? Yeah, and mainline, which is just interesting. Does that mean that you don't think that a, an African-American person who's part of a Protestant denomination, they're not really an, evangel- an evangelical? Uh, yeah. What does I, that mean? I know. And so it's confusing, uh, but that's mm-hmm. why I didn't have the affiliation selected. Right. And there's also Catholic, correct, as another selection underneath that? Yeah, Roman Catholic. So you could theoretically be an evangelical in belief, but be listed affiliation wise with the Roman Catholic church. Is that, is that correct? That's according to this survey. Yes. So let's see if it changes at all. Statement number one doesn't change. It goes from 95 to 94% in under, under Roman Catholic. Well, they probably some, they might actually have a stronger doctrine of the Trinity in some ways. Well, let's find (laughs) out. Let's Let's see what survey says. Survey says. This is fun, isn't it? Oh, yep, they do. They do. Went from 96 to 97%. <laughs> they got us. Oh, boy. So um, so we just changed topic on our listeners. Oh, we changed. We changed. Yeah, we changed. No, we didn't. We just explored. Yeah, no, I think this is a helpful thing because um, I think what this is highlights, though, is just the need for us to be like, so when you read the Bible, right, and you read things about, well, God, God regretted or God... Uh, repented. Um, that is figurative language. God is trying to, he's describing something for us because from our angle, we see different works of God and we can't see the whole thing as he sees it. From his true perspective, his decision has never changed. His plan has never changed. But from our perspective, we see change because we live in a world of change. Um, actually, Thomas Watson has this uh, really good quote. He says, there may be a change in God's work, but not in his will. He may will a change, but not change his will. So God produces changes in us, but he himself never, ever changes in his nature or in his uh, will. And I think this is really helpful and important for people um, when they think about their salvation or when they think about what the future holds. Um, God's eternality and God's unchangeableness is actually a very, if you meditate on it, it's actually a very comforting doctrine, um, I would think, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. There's a quote that I like to read whenever I, I do a sermon on the immutability of God. I don't know, I'm just curious what you guys... It's from a Catholic. Yeah. Well, he's got stronger Trinity, we just found out. (laughs) Uh, G.K. Chesterton, in his book, Orthodoxy, he said, in talking about God's immutability, and he's he's referencing how we change, and he's seeing our need to change as a a weakness, and God's immutability Mm -hmm. as as a great strength. Okay? And he says, because children have abounding vitality because they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is actually younger than we. 
you just think about that with what came in the garden mm-hmm. was sin was death was this mm-hmm. age right and it and it's just interesting what he says like yeah. did what come with that is boredom mm-hmm. and like a need for excitement excitement almost and we do see that with little mm-hmm. children you know do it again do it again like right. oh my gosh this is so boring how can you be liking this and mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i remember when i first read that just thinking yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess in my head, you just think of God making the flowers and it's just like wiping his hand. And there's a million flowers or whatever. Yeah. But no, maybe it's every one with great mm-hmm. detail again and again, a daisy right. again and a daisy again. And over here, a tulip mm-hmm. and a tulip and a tulip. And he just never grows old of that. And it's because he never, he's so perfect. Mm-hmm. There is no change necessary right. in him. And it's straight perfection. You know, where for me, when I make a meal, I'm thinking about, how could I have made it better? Right. What could I tweak next God time? never has to ask that question. Never could I have made it better? Never has to ask right. that question. Right. How can I improve? Yeah. It's just not there for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing because when we have that, then we know we have hope. There yeah. actually can be hope be found in him. Stability. We have truth. We have stability. And because God doesn't change, it actually allows us to approach him as his children in a way that he set up for us, it's never going to change. Right. So we can have confidence in our worship, right? Right. In our relationship with him as we go to him in right. prayer and seek his face. Well, Jesus says, him that comes to me, I will never yeah. cast out. Right. And so it does a lot for us to hold on to the immutability mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. and to really understand it. Right. Right. Very good. Scott, you got any closing words? Nope. You're awesome with the stat stuff. I got to say, I can see Scott over there. He's just yeah, like, he's, he's just like, well, di- I feel like I needed to prove myself. He's taking a after deep some dive things were said. after the statement. Oh, you should just title this one. That. <laughs> Do I need to put like Scott, explicit yeah. content? Yeah. Like, yeah. Our, yeah. Our rating will be changed. Oh, wow. Sure. We this used to is... have a G rating. It's now changed, <laughs> but that's okay. It'll maybe add some new listeners, get some excitement up. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll get some excitement up. I won't even know. I listen to this on like two times speed, so I'll just <laughs> go right by. Yeah, well, not, not really. Not really. <laughs> I'll catch that. <laughs> Do you really listen to this podcast? No. no. Oh, I was gonna say. Okay. Do well. you? No, you don't. I don't listen to this. I I I'm, I do it live, but my wife listens to it, and she'll hear that. She does listen to it. Do I've not to edit. It. When people ask me a question, I re-listen to it to do make you? sure I remember what we said. Do not edit that out. You serious? I'm serious. Why would you? I wasn't meaning anything. I was I just, yeah. I so mean, it's kind of like we know you weren't. That's what you know, makes it so funny. Like, it's kind of like scary. Hey, you hit the right button. Yeah, because yeah, I can see it on the thing. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you've learned. Yeah, so we need to get some new sound effects. I know there's a BBC sound bank that you can do for free. I think what you meant when you said that statement was Michigan, the city in Michigan, <laughs> right? That's what you meant. I did because it's a lovely place this time of year. Yeah, and you were telling Scott to go there. You were saying <laughs> I was. There's a city in Michigan. Yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Don't they, do a, they, they promote it. Big yeah, time. they do a run through yeah, there. Hell, Michigan. Yes, it's come run through hell and hell, <laughs> Michigan. You know, 5Ks. Yeah, it's, a, it's and a thing. It's a big so thing. So that's what all those billboards that say hell is real means. Yes. Oh. It's Michigan. I no, that. that's not what those ones mean. Yeah, some of them, are, some of them do. I think you're. I think the billboards you're talking about, those are. <laughs> oh, from certain. <laughs> those are religious. <laughs> yeah. But that's not. That's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, we probably better. I hear it's a nice town in Michigan. Always warm. (laughs) 
That's what they say. <laughs> I, I guess. So we better wrap this up before things get more out of hand. So check out the State of Theology. It's hard to believe they'll get more out of hand. Uh, online, and um, we'll try to try to keep it together here. Okay. Thanks for listening. Take care.